Hey guys, and welcome back to the Social Saint podcast. Um, I'm so excited to be back. Um, today's episode is um, a really interesting one, and I'm quite excited to record this particular episode. And I've been thinking about it for a while, and like how I was going to talk about it because it's a very sensitive topic, and I know for a lot of people they've had a lot of experiences to do with this particular topic. Um, but with just the news that has come out recently with um, Carl Lenz at Hillsong and Ravi Zacharias um, and just even within local churches I felt like in SPAC Nation even with Pastor Toby I felt like it was really important for me to do a podcast on leadership and church leadership um, but I was really I was really um, not sure how to address this because me myself I've personally never been a leader in church and I think it's really easy to maybe judge or um, have an opinion on something when you've never done it yourself um, so I really wanted to address this with a lot of prayer and thought and I really wanted to make sure I got the right person on the podcast to record this with um, and so today I've got my good friend really really good friend of mine who I've had multiple conversations with this about who I've had multiple conversations in general um, with and uh, just someone that I think has a lot of insight and good understanding when it comes to this particular topic my friend Benga um, who goes to the same church as me we've been friends for a while now Benga how are you? Yes, I'm good, thank you. I'm <laughs> good, thank you. Um, so Benga, just quickly introduce yourself and then we'll get into the topic. So like, who are you and like, you know, when did you get saved and stuff like that? Yes, as you said, my name is Benga. I mm-hmm. got saved um, 10 years ago in May 2010. Mm-hmm. Um, I go to Rian's Church, but mm-hmm. in Lucia. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I am quite, you know, I'm quite shy at the moment, but <laughs> <laughs> I'll get used to this. Um, right, so I've been, I mean... Oh, yeah, so I do work in a bank um, to give advice to people regarding how to manage their money better. Mm-hmm. Um, then I am married with um, with three lovely kids mm-hmm. and been married for about eight years now, going oh to gosh. nine, I believe. Um, <laughs> I hope I don't get it wrong. <laughs> and, yeah, so that's a lot about me um, today. Yeah. So, yeah, Venga, like you mentioned, this is like a good... He's actually one of the leaders in our church as well. And I just... So I'm really encouraged by Venga's work because I just see you know, continuously how he serves in church faithfully. And actually, I think you have a really good relationship with a lot of individuals within the church, which mm. is interesting to see. Um, but yeah, so I, I wanted to talk, and I've like I've said, I've mentioned the topic already, already but I think um, recently, I think, you know, if anyone's within the church community and Christian community and for non-believers as well, or people that aren't necessarily Christians, I'll, I'll quickly explain the situation. But um, recently... Um, is a preacher called Ravi Zacharias um, and he recently passed away I think it was the end of 2020 he passed away and it was quite sad because he was one of the like most well-known preachers he was very like very influential he did a lot of work in specifically apologetics um, and I felt like I mean I was I personally um, have loved a lot of his work and have you know listened to a lot of his sermons and he's given me a lot of he's been one of the main people that have helped to helped me to understand him understand god sorry um through his like theological and the like kind of like more of his like theological breakdowns it's been a lot easier he uses a lot of imagery in his language so it's really been he's been you know very influential on my walk um but recently it came out that um unfortunately you know there's been an investigation into his um some allegations with sexual assault to do with him we're not a hundred percent. I don't think anyone's a hundred percent sure on exactly what the allegations are completely yet. But um, unfortunately, it has come out that um, he was involved in some kind of sexual assault case, and um, 
he was you know obviously he's obviously assaulted someone or, or done something along those lines i'm not 100 percent sure and um the conversation isn't necessarily about necessarily what he did or him in specific but it really made me think about leadership and church leadership and spiritual leadership and the weight of that and the importance of that and um, I think a lot of people like myself would have been you know at first really discouraged by this news or frustrated by this news or put off by this news Um, but you know and I've had a lot of conversations over the last I think like two or three weeks regarding this I actually spoke to both Titi and Jamal like people within my church about it and then I've I've actually spent a lot of time praying and thinking about it in general and I feel like I've come to quite I would say a healthy perspective on it and I thought it was worth speaking on it but I just wanted to talk to you Bengo about like in more general sense um what are your thoughts on like leadership and um preaching and the weight of pastoral like kind of like responsibility yeah I think scripturally is is very important mm. and said a lot of times in the bible the the weight and the responsibility which someone has a preacher has is very very vital mm. i think in bible it actually says that um, you should lead like someone is going to give an account mm. um of of your leadership so you are responsible mm. for the people you are taking you're looking at you're looking um you're looking after mm. so it's a very very important duty for anyone to do um leadership pastoral is very important yeah i i 100% agree and i think that when we think about it we think you know like i've always liked to think of it like kind of like an image in my head i have is like god's at the very front like there's where there's a i don't know like a walking group of people god is at the front jesus like god the holy spirit you know they're at the front and then after that is your spiritual leader whoever that may be your pastor or whoever it is and then there's the church or the congregation following them and if this person is not correctly looking at god and the direction he's taking them he's going to lead you astray yeah, yeah and i've always felt like everything that that person does like a sat nav almost if the sat nav leads you astray or doesn't pick up that there's roadblocks or there's something you know going on um the whole car or the whole you know group of people that are in that car are you know they have to go through that those issues if that makes sense so i've kind of seen it like that like if that person who's behind god who's supposed to be keeping their eye on god so that they can lead us well isn't keeping their eye on god that leads everyone astray um and so i think that's really really important um and i think that like i think i don't think a lot of people know the weight of it when they get into it i don't think a lot of people i think a lot of people get into and i've spoken to a few people about this recently actually a lot of people become pastors or you know preachers without understanding exactly how like the weight that it carries for example like you said you have to give an account for that and you're hold to a higher standard i think that i can't remember what the exact scripture says but it says that you'll have to give an account for that and you're you're almost held to a greater standard because you are leading god's sheep if that makes sense um but i want to ask like why do you feel like so many people fail because I've, I've had a few conversations with people, you know, especially when you're outreaching, you know, a lot of people say, oh, no, I was going to a church and then this happened or the pastor did this and he stole all the money and then he raped this girl and then this happened. And, and it's like, whoa, why do you think that this happens so commonly within churches? Yeah. And I look at it broadly as mm-hmm. leadership, just not in churches, but in everywhere. Yeah. If you're a leader, you're under a lot of pressure from different angles. Mm. It's not an excuse for you to, you know, for you to misbehave as a leader. 
However, not everyone is capable of handling that pressure. So that could be one of the reasons why they fail. Secondly, spiritually, um, if you are not focused on the things of God and focused on following God, you could be susceptible to spiritual attacks. Again, um, devil is always out there to get the sheep. Bible says if you strike the sheep, the, the shepherd, the sheep will be scattered. So the devil will always aim for the sheep, always shepherd always aim for the head. Because he knows once he gets the head, that the body will be scattered. Mm. So that's always a thing. So the devil will always go for the head first. And I believe that tends to be the reason. So one is the pressure, like mm. every leadership position. Mm. Secondly, it's spiritual. The devil will always go to attack the shepherd to, to try and disperse the sheep. Mm. That's a really good point. I've n- that's, you know, it's obvious, but I've never really thought of it like that. Like, And I always think if someone, the influence a person has, like if someone from high up falls, like it's, it's like they're falling from a higher pedestal. Like if I make a mistake in church, I'm not really a leader. <laughs> I'm not really, I'm, you know, I'm in ministry, but like if I do something wrong, I can just like repent, you know, get back on track. Obviously I tell people to keep myself accountable, but like that's something I can kind of like do and it doesn't really necessarily, well, I suppose it does, can affect people, but for the gra- in the grand scheme of things, doesn't necessarily have a massive effect on people. But if your pastor um, falls or has, or does anything like that, it's like a massive, it can have a massive effect have you had any experiences of people like in leadership of your of you or maybe not even necessarily like pastors but just like you know people that you served beside or were leaders within your church have you seen have you seen that happen and what effect has that had on you personally yeah i, I mean it's it's a very it's a very very sensitive as you know mm. um you know um discussion mm-hmm. however i've had maybe two or three experiences in mm. different you know, areas at mm. work, um, at church, and also even while in school, university, mm. and uh, back home in Nigeria, actually. So then it's something that does happen and it's very common. Mm. And to pick one, mm-mm. I'll go for the one that happened while, um, while actually, I'll go for the one in church because that tends to be mm-hmm. uh, more appropriate for what we were discussing. Mm-hmm. Um, again, not quite sure about the ins and outs mm-hmm. um, in terms of, you know, um, the scenario and what happened is exactly was um, our pastor a few years mm-hmm. ago um, had to leave the church mm-hmm. and um, it was an absolutely fantastic man, brilliant um, pastor, mm-hmm. close with everyone. Everyone loved him, you know. Mm-hmm. It was a people's person as well. Mm-hmm. He was good at that. He, from the beginning when I got saved in 2010, he, you know, he made me see what I couldn't see about myself. I preached on time for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, it was absolutely fantastic, you know, um, been under his um you know under his um following him as a pastor and uh so when he actually the church in um 2015 i believe mm. um it was a big shock for everyone including mm. myself and a lot of people could not recover a lot of people recovered but i would say maybe about 50 percent of people from the church could not recover from the you know from what happened um i mean with the pastor living and a lot of people a lot of people left the church as well after mm. the was the case for myself it was tough you know it was tough it was initially it was very tough and you know i've had to walk through it and you know try to go to the bible understanding mm. um this happened before in the bible people fail in the bible people mm. had to live again I, i'm not quite sure you know the circumstance but the impact on me was i had to start all over again because mm. i was thinking i'm thinking i've been working with this uh, pastor for a long time i know him he knows me mm. you know 
then I'll start all over again under a different um, pastor. But luckily, we got a very good pastor as well, mm-hmm. and and it's been good and helpful for the church. But some people could not, they could not cope with the mm. with the change, and they 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 had to um, they had to leave, and um, you know, and it it was sad for everyone, and the impact is far reaching. Mm. Again, I'm I hope everyone you know that left at that time is saved, but again, I can't guarantee. Um, mm. Or, you know, and you can't even guarantee the people that are still people here. People are yeah, so <laughs> it's like even people if they're still here, yeah. you don't know what they're battling with. Exactly. You know, yeah, but. yeah, it's it's a very tough one, and yeah. So again, that's an example of the impact um, it does have on people. Um, you know, uh, when the leadership in a church has to, again, I'm not quite sure exactly what happened, but when a leadership in a church has to change um, due to whatever reason, it has a big. Um, impact um on on the church Mm. i i i can imagine so and i mean i personally was in the church when it happened but i myself have had like the same situation so i was at a church prior to me coming to the church that we're currently at and um that was a weird situation because i had only been saved six months when that happened so i didn't really have a solid <laughs> like solid foundational base um to kind of to further like i didn't have i wasn't rooted in christ myself personally i was very much and i i now understand why new believers are so zealous but also so fragile if that yeah. makes sense it made me very aware of that because i was obviously saved i had only been saved six months and then there was a situation and um for you know whatever reason the pastor left um and it was a very it was very abrupt um and i'm actually still friends and in contact with that that person and their wife now um but at the time there wasn't any contact it was best and it was best that way but i couldn't obviously tell that that it was Mm. you couldn't tell me that at the time but um it was very hard and as a new believer i struggled because like you kind of it made me realize and i think this is maybe something that's been a good thing and a bad thing it's made it made me realize that you can't very early on in my walk that you can't look to someone to uphold you spiritually like whilst your spiritual leader is supposed to you know and they carry that weight of leading you you are supposed to have your own relationship with god no one is god for you do you get what i mean and i that person had become kind of like a not a god in my eyes in terms of like idolatry but they had been my communication to god so like if anything they said i just took as gospels do you get what i mean i just took that is that has to be the truth so when that person was out of my life or out of that part of my life i then realized i had to get to know god for myself mm-hmm. um and that was good because then it made me realize the importance of a personal relationship with God, not just going to church and doing church things. But the thing that I think is bad is off the back of that, I've really struggled to deal with leadership now, if that makes sense. In the sense that I start to convince myself, how do I know this person knows the best for me? Do you get what I mean? And I fail to maybe... I don't know, I feel like there's an element of like, you know when people, (laughs) this sounds weird, yeah, but you know when people have like a bad relationship with their dad when they're growing up and then they have daddy issues afterwards Mm. as adults. I feel like a part of me will have like, has that, if that makes sense, but in a spiritual sense, like I, because I'm like, okay, like I love my current pastor. He's a really good pastor. We have a good relationship. But then because I know 
what if one day he just ups and goes i i just kind of have that on me all the time do you get what i mean like i have that thing of what if he does something wrong or what if he leaves or just decides to leave the church like and then i don't ever want to let myself fully be open and honest with that person because then i'm like they'll know all of this about me and they won't be here and that's kind of how I feel it's a level of vulnerability I suppose I haven't let myself have with my current pastor out of the fear that that might happen again um and I definitely would say this affected my walk because before it meant that I wasn't then being held accountable because if you're not honest about something someone can't pull you up on something but now I realize the weight of accountability and I try my best to be as open and honest with that person but also with other people so that it it makes me feel a bit safer, but that I'm still getting that level of accountability yeah. if it's from you or my friends or other ladies in the church um, who aren't necessarily just friendly with me that will be honest with me. I try to keep myself accountable to them, but I am trying to also work on being open and honest. I, I think that people don't necessarily think about the after effects of failed laid leadership. Yeah. They see, you know, the church maybe scatter or, you know, decrease in numbers, but they don't necessarily think about the people that do stay, even yeah. them, they have to deal with some, you know, deep, hurt and um i think that that's something that we really we really think i think the church needs to spend some time not our church necessarily but the church as a glo- in a global sense needs to spend some time really thinking about we can't just let anyone become leaders we mm. can't just let there has to be some process and i mean it's all good because we want to get the gospel sh- shared so you know it's even us you know in our fellowship people get become pastors really quickly do you get what i mean and it's good because obviously our mission is to get the word global like you know the gospel global but the problem with that is that there's sometimes maybe in some instances people that are the lack of like a lack of vetting almost do you get what i mean of character um because you haven't seen people in all seasons do you get what i mean um but yeah what is your opinion on that and like what is your opinion on like people being prepped to pastor or being sent out to pastor like is do you think there should be a process you think people should have to go to bible school do you think it should be like they should have to be called by god or you know yeah i think it's important to be called by god Mm. because that would be your rock so you can always fall back on that because you Mm. know god has called you so you didn't go out there for your own selfish you know reasons but god has called you Mm. so when you face challenges you know i can always fall back on god if you've gone there for your own selfish reasons, then it's difficult to fall back on God mm-hmm. <laughs> because you know, you know, mm-hmm. He hasn't called you. Mm-hmm. And um, secondly, um, biblically as well, um, Christ was with, with his disciples for three years. That's a long time, you know, mm-hmm. when it was discipling a, a disciple and helping them to understand mm-hmm. who he was. You know, disciples had to go through different stages mm-hmm. from you know wanting to call down fire from heaven to <laughs> to kill mm-hmm. people and stuff. So they had to go through spaces where they had to learn mm. how to undo different things mm. biblically david as well he had to go through times you know mm. being in there um fighting the the lions and the mm. and the bears of this world to try and again learn how to be a leader mm. moses he had to go through that period as well where he had to you know leave um leave egypt and then go and live with with um with the father-in-law and had to learn again how to become um a leader so people in the bible before becoming a leader they are to be discipled it tends to be for you know for some a period of time for them to learn and grow and like what you're saying different how to handle different situations um is very important so bible school not that important personally in my opinion mm-hmm. um because you know the bible is is the word of god right mm. so you can begin to learn it and grow mm-hmm. al- alongside discipline you know how to learn how to 
work with people, which is very important. It's a very important part of being a pastor, mm-hmm. working with people, being able to um, to to preach as well. Mm-hmm. You know, goes without saying, it's important. Being able to witness, bring mm-hmm. and you know, win souls for Christ, and um, being able to counsel as well. So those things you learn those things over time, working people in the church. If you don't have, if you don't do that, and you, you know, you get sent out uh, within maybe six months of being saved or so then you've not had time to, you know, develop mm. um, those those skills. Mm. So it, it's very important. Yeah. yeah, and I think I think one thing that has become very apparent very quickly is like the example with Ravi Zacharias that I mentioned earlier is he is someone that knew God's word. Mm. Um, and he's someone that had great understanding of the theological consequences of God's word and what that meant and the weight that that carried. But knowing God's word mentally or or like intellectually isn't the same as knowing god's word and now i might be making up a word here but experientially (laughs) like i think that might be a made-up word but um like you can know the weight and the meaning of god's word like you could understand that intellectually you understand it but it not necessarily takes place i've for example i've been and this was at conference i think two years ago I was in conference um, and, you know, everyone was worshipping. And I remember I had a moment where I was standing there and I was watching everyone worship God. And I was looking around, watching everyone worship God. And I was singing the words, but I wasn't worshipping God. And for a moment there, that's when I realised you can, you can understand what you're saying. You can be there, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're, you're involved in what's what's taking place here. Do you get what I mean? I was a number I, that was warming a seat. That that you know, I really was like. Obviously, I'm not saying that every time I stand in service, I'm I'm not worshiping. That in that particular moment, I realized I wasn't necessarily worshiping God. I was just singing lyrics that I knew, um, and that sounded good and that felt good. And you know, but I wasn't worshiping God when I was saying it. It wasn't to God. It wasn't in awe of God. Do you get yeah. what I mean? It was just like I'm doing what we're doing. This is just part of the service. And I think sometimes we forget that a lot of people can know god's word and you can go to bible school and you can become so intellectually um you know just so i don't know what the word is but you can you can really become puffed up on knowledge basically but even if you are if you even have all of that knowledge and yes it might make you sound like the smartest person in the room and the most intellectual person you might have like great um um analogies and metaphors of god god's word but if you don't live that you're no better than the person that has just walked in the door mm. of church and knows maybe just the first verse of Genesis. <laughs> Do you get what mm. I mean? You're no better than that person. Yeah. God's word has to not only be something that affects you intellectually, but ex- you know that affects you like um, spiritually and mentally and emotionally. It has to take effect in your life. Um, and so that's why I, I also agree with you. I, I mean, I'm always for people trying to, you know, I don't there's no harm in trying to know more about the Bible and know more about God. There's no you can never that can never hurt you as long as your heart stays in the right place. But that's the tricky part that a lot mm. of the time people's hearts don't stay either in it or they like and they just they understand God's word, but it becomes just like a calculation, no more than a maths equation mm. to them. Or they they, they 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 understand it, but because they understand it, they get some kind of pride mm. factor out of it. Do you get what I mean? And I think they end up battling themselves in that aspect. Um, and so that's why I think it's really, really interesting. Yeah. I mean, I have two things to touch on with what you mm. said. The, f- the first one would be, I agree with what you're saying, mm. but at the same time, 
we expect too much from people, you know. Mm. So, for example, you know, um, Ra- uh, Ravi Zacharias, I'm not quite sure it ins and out, but if you made a mistake, perhaps, mm. um, again, not excusing, you know, what is done as such, mm-hmm. but it's, it's, it's human, you know. Mm. So, you, you could know the word mm. of God and live the word of God, mm-hmm. but you could have a moment, mm. same as David in the Bible. Mm. David was a man, you know, after God's own ass, mm. you know. I'm not quite, that's quite sure what's said about any other person in the Bible. Mm. Um, but again, he had his great moments where mm. it destroyed um, people's lives. You know, his family, you know, Uriah's family. And so great damage was done. But David was a man that after God's on earth, he wrote many Psalms, you know, asking forgiveness. So he knows the word of God. But at the same time, he had a moment where he made a mistake. So again, I agree with what you're saying. At mm. the same time, you could also you know we, sh- we, sh- we should also give allowance for people and to make errors yeah and i want to quickly before you move into your second point i just want to agree with that because i think that's well, i was going to speak about it a little bit later but that's actually where i've come to with that because at first i thought oh no does this mean i can't listen to his sermons anymore or i can't you know but i i really realized um at what point do we recognize as much as someone is a christian and they have responsibility and especially as a pastor or a preacher you have a greater responsibility they they don't stop being human yeah. do you get I me mean? you don't stop being human just because you become a pastor or because you become a leader or because your church grows you know just because you go from 20 people congregation to 300 people doesn't mean you become less human in that do you get what i mean and i think I, one thing that i really realized and i think gave me a lot of peace about this particular situation is that everything is already in us certain situations bring it out of us you get what i mean like the sin what he did and the sins that i've committed are already in me but certain things will bring them out of me and i've come to the conclusion that irregardless of you know what he done whether i think it's right or wrong because obviously i think his actions and his sin is wrong not just because the sin itself is not what god wants but because doing that in general is just wrong we understand that morally also i do think that at no point am I expecting someone to be less of a human, if that makes sense, just becomes a, just because they become more, quote-unquote, more of a Christian. Do you yeah. get what I mean? And if us as Christians can't forgive that person, there's no hope for the rest of the world forgiving them. Do you get what I mean? And I realise it's our responsibility to judge, not judge sin ultimately, like God does, but judge sin in the sense of, like, discipling and discipline. But it's also our responsibility to forgive sin as much as God would too. Do you get what I mean? So that's kind of the conclusion I've come on. But I'll let you finish your second point that you... Yeah, just on that same point as well. And I think it's when Christ um, said, he who has no sin, cast mm. the first stone. Mm. Because everyone um, would have, you know, every leader in the Bible, they failed. From Moses, you know, to um, Abraham, to uh, to David, uh, speaking about. Um, so even in the New Testament, so Peter... Um, <laughs> um, when he designed Christ three times and even um, when it was when he didn't want to you know mix with the Gentiles as such so p- everyone has failed and I think it's a good point we need to um, you know to learn to forgive um, it's very hard in this day and age I mean politi- politicians they make a mistake the first thing we say is for them to resign because we don't have the spirit of you know mm. understanding people make mistakes it doesn't mm. matter who you are it could be in government it could be you know, anywhere you are, we make mistakes. Secondly, uh, with regards to what you said um, about um, David, people knowing God, that's a very good point because sometimes when you begin to know God, you begin to know, you know what, I know <laughs> I know how to handle God. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I know how to um, 
I know how God would react in this situation, so I know what to do. Mm. And sometimes that's a that's a very dangerous um, that's a snare, and it's very dangerous. Mm. And in morning prayer, I think um, early, I think that was last week. Uh, Titi made a comment. I'm going to name drop Titi. She made a <laughs> comment which is fascinating. Um, David uh, was praying for Bathsheba's son not to die. He was mm. fasting for seven days. He wasn't eating, and um, but the son died. Mm. And then he got up and he started eating. And the question was, why was he eating? Because even though God has told him, this son that you that you've born is due to, you know, this um, adulterous relationship with Bathsheba. You know, you've killed someone. This son will die. Mm. But he was still fasting because David knows God. Mm. <laughs> David knows that God is a God that forgives. He knows mm. God properly. So he felt, if I fast and pray, God will listen to me. Mm. But God didn't because mm. you can't really... Um, know God fully in a way that David thought he did mm. and and I think that's danger where we think you know what I know God I know mm. fully I know he's going to react in this mm. situation you can't and yeah. I think um, it's good to like what you're saying study God's word mm. um, pray in fact you have to do that it's, a, it's, mm. a, it's, a, it's paramount for every Christian to mm. do that and you know pray study God's word at the same time we should avoid getting to the position where we feel that I know God fully so mm. uh, if not it could lead to pride, you know. Devil fell fell from the sky because it felt, you know, I know God, so I'm going to be like God. Mm. I mean, for you to say you want to be like God, that means you think that you know God yeah. um, fully. So, yeah, and I think it's, it's a dangerous snare yeah. that we need to be careful. Before we quickly go on to, um, on to David, because I do want to really go into that in a minute, but before we go on to David, I wanted to quickly speak to you about the, the nature of the sins that we often see. Um when church leaders in specific as well as um global leaders as a whole because i think it's really interesting mm. if if someone as a global leader like you said a politician does something i mean we we now are like you know resign or whatever but um it's often that you know we don't then say like for example people often say yeah i don't go to church anymore because a church leader did this but you don't say i'm not going to live in the uk anymore <laughs> because the politician did this yeah. do you get what i mean it's like it's not that simple because you're you understand that you know it's more complex than that and mm. so when people say you know i don't know how you go to church when so many church christians are hypocritical because i understand it's more complex than that it's more nuanced than that but um one of the things i wanted to talk about was the nature of the sin because i often have found i mean i think it was you that sent me you know um hill songs um, with Carl Lentz, you know, he resigned or was put out of ministry because um, he was he committed adultery. I think that was the reason and why. I don't know if that's the yeah. exact reason and why, but I think that's... yeah, he committed adultery. And obviously, you know, more culturally specific to us here in South London, Pastor Toby um, and Spac Nation of you know we're seeing a lot of allegations come out about fraud in that church. I'm not sure what's still happening with the church at the moment, but we've seen a lot of you know over the last couple of years a lot of allegations with fraud and stuff like that and even you know sex as well and stuff like that and people being manipulated and i find it interesting because i often i don't know if it's just me but i often find that a lot of the reasons why church leaders are put out of ministry are to do with either money or sex mm. and i just wanted to know your opinion on it why do you think these two things are so are such the issue because even like what we talk about with um david it was sex you know it was adultery like why is it that it's always sex and money what would you think it is about these two things that are so um you know that are often the reason for people's downfall yeah i just feel that 
not just in you know in the Christian world, but mm-hmm. in the world as at large, mm. that tends to be the main issue. I was speaking about Bill Clinton, <laughs> Monica oh, yeah, Le- Lewinsky. Yeah. <laughs> that was quite a funny, um, mm. you know, story. But that's that's an, another classic example mm. of someone that's done exactly the same thing, mm. and I feel perhaps it's just um, the struggle that you know that people, men and women, perhaps go 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 through. So money is tempting, as we all know. And so as uh, sex as well. So I feel that that is it, you know, that is what the devil can use. Um, mm. And also, again, I don't want to keep saying the devil as such, mm. but people might have struggles as well with those um, with those things, even before for mm. the girl saved. Yeah. And if it's not, you know, dealt with, mm-hmm. and people think, you know, once I get saved, when and I get even married. Even if it is dealt with, things yeah. rise back up in yeah. you know? Yeah, I, f- I think it's, it's a difficult one because mm. it's not just, you know, in the Christian world, but it's, it's everywhere. World, I, I yeah. think... Um, I, I had a story again. I can't confirm if it's authentic or not, but I had a story of someone um, at a company who I actually I know the guy, but I heard about it, someone at the company where he started misbehaving, you know, during Christmas party and stuff like that. And obviously, he had to lose his job. And I was thinking, this guy, you know, I've met him a few times. He seems like a very decent guy, but the right opportunity, then people mm. misbehave. It's it's like money as well. Again, I've, I've heard people. You know, um, back home, you know, um, before before they got into government, they, this is like a very decent guy. They're going to change the world, change the country. But as soon as they got into a position where they have access to money, mm-hmm. then they change. Mm-hmm. So the key thing here is opportunity and access. So if you have opportunity to do something, right, and then you have access to do the thing, mm-hmm. a lot of people cannot control mm-hmm. that. So, uh, it's a difficult one because it's it's not it happens like almost every time. I mean, the, I was reading the Carl Lenz um, story. It's very sad because mm-hmm. um, before the story came out ab- about him, I first find him like quite an interesting character. So when the story came out, I got a lot of interest. I reading more about it and finding out what happened. And you know, it was quite deep. It wasn't just like an opportunity. Mm-hmm. And our assets was like a pursue as well. Mm. So it was so, like a what? Sorry, like a pursue. So he, he yeah. had to make up some. Apparently, he had to make up some stories. Oh. So the girl did an interview that he, he told. He didn't tell her that I was a pastor. Oh. He told her that he does something else. He didn't tell her that I was married initially as well. Wow. So that was more than opportunity. That was you know a pursue trying to pursue. Pursue. Sorry, yeah. pursuit. Um. Yeah. So that you know. So. It's a difficult one. So again, I don't want to just. I'm not a lady, so I can't mm. really, you know, mm. speak about for the ladies. But for most guys, mm-hmm. this is a thing they deal with: mm. sex and money. It's mm. those things. And if you're a pastor or not, if you're a leader or not, a lot of people will mm. face those challenges. The question is, mm-hmm. how do we deal with it? Yeah, you yeah. Know? I think that's so true. And I think when it does come to both sex and money, I think one thing with the money thing is definitely an access to power and to freedom and i think that we have to remember that just because you become a pastor you stop you don't stop living in a world where money and sex is like king basically like people look to that everything is sexualized everything adverts even like the craziest things like shows everything is sexualized and money is i mean we use everything for money do you get what i mean like we can't survive without money we do our actions become more and more about money do you get what i mean as the days goes on the whole you know i think we live in especially within uh, let me let me make this clear within western culture i should say i can't speak for other cultures within western cultures um 
the pursuit of happiness has become <laughs> this pursuit of sex and money. So that doesn't, you don't stop living in that world just because you become Christian. Do you get what I mean? You still live here and those things still, you know, it's hard because you can't, you can't just, you don't just become a Christian and get saved and you go to heaven where these aren't things. You, you still live in a world where you have to work to earn money and there are shortcuts and you see the shortcuts and it's temptation. Mm. It's even Jesus wasn't without temptation. I mean, we know that he was without sin, which means he was able to forgo that temptation, but it doesn't, you know, I, I read something really interesting the other day and it goes, and it was basically saying, um, the devil says, um, the Bible says, sorry, <laughs> gosh, the Bible says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And we've often read that as like, yeah, nothing's going to prosper. Do you get what I mean? But we don't read the, back, the fact that the weapon's still going to be fashioned. Yeah. Do you get what I mean? And I said, that's so true. Like there are things, especially if you're a leader that will be fashioned specifically towards you. Do you get what I mean? Um, and there are things that you will have to deal with. And like you said, if those things aren't checked and if you're not keeping yourself accountable, um, then they they can run rife. Do you get what I mean? And yeah. I also think that sometimes the reason why is because other sins may be like lying or covetousness and stuff like that aren't as... we don't. It's not that we don't discipline them as much, but we kind of think, oh, okay. Do you get what I mean? Like, if a pastor lied, for example, obviously, I'm sure if this, the lie, the scale of the lie was grand, then it would, the consequence would be, but if they told, like, a, I don't think they would necessarily be removed from, yeah. like, I'm, I can't speak <laughs> for our particular approach, but I'm just saying in general, from a lot of spaces, I don't think they'd necessarily yeah. be removed from pastoring, right? We kind of put certain sins as, like, a higher, like, that's a greater offense, if, if that makes sense, yeah. which I understand because some will have a greater effect on the church, so don't get me wrong, but if someone's gluttonous, for example, <laughs> we don't say, you know, that pastor eats a lot, let's remove him from yeah. ministry. Do you get what I mean? We do hold certain things to a higher extent, and I do think that that's why, you know, other pastors could be, you know, involved in other sins, but because we just think, you know what, because of the sake of the church, it's not worth it. Let's just, you know, deal yeah. with this sin privately. Whereas some sins, it's like, no, that needs to just be like, you know, that person needs to be taken down. So I do think that that's also another reason for maybe why it always seems like it's always money and sex that other reasons. Mm. But also these other little sins can be things that, you know, you, you think, oh, okay, I got away with that. Oh, okay, I got, mm. it just grows and grows. It, like, it's like an unraveling thread on your clothes. Like you pull, you pull a little thread and it just gets, it unravels more and more and more and more. And I think that sometimes we forget that those th- things can sometimes be stepping stones mm. to, to, to bigger, to bigger sure. things, you know? Yeah. It's quite interesting. You're talking about the little sins. And mm. I think I watched a video last week talking about sins and the person mentioned um, breaking the speed limit. Mm. <laughs> it's quite interesting. So, I think I agree with you, you know, mm. there are different things. But I think it's more about the impact, mm. you know, that it has on people. You can't, yeah. so we can't just say, okay, if it breaks, part of the speed limit, then, you know, it's disobeying the government. That means it's a sin. If, it, you know, so I think it's, it's more about the impact that it has on people. Mm. And also, going back to the one of, um, you know, why, something came to my mind. Um, being a pastor, it is, it's also could be attractive mm. to people. And I think, I've, I've heard this before. Uh, I mean, I'm not a pastor and I'm not a lady, so I can't really tell. But apparently, the pastors um, tend to uh, have a form of attraction to the ladies. I'm not, I don't know if I said it right. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a possibility again, because okay, because, so women become more attractive to them because they, because of the power that they hold. Yeah, so yeah, so yeah. they become more attractive to the women because of um, not just power, but because of you know the the way they carry themselves, mm. the way the wisdom and 
business. Mm-hmm. So it become it could become attractive. Mm-hmm. It could also be because a, a lot of you know women might grow without without you know father. Mm-hmm. They first might become a father figure. Mm-hmm. That also yeah. leads to a, a lot of um you know, um talk shouting and stuff like that. And they could become so close that you know anything could happen. And our pastor used to tell us back then you know um, um back uh, back in those days when I was you know when when we've been discipled. Um, to make sure you have some boundaries mm. you know some things you can do sometimes you can't speak to people you know some hour of the night you can't mm. say how long you can be um with an opposite sex those kind of things they were meant to put us to guide us from falling into this trap because yeah. it's a well-known um issue that people tend to again it's not um giving excuses for mm. people that you know that perhaps are filled with the same issue mm. but it's that's why i found this guy's story quite astonishing mm. um um, Carl Lenz because you know he went for it but some a lot of times is because of the opportunity it could be mm. you know just yeah it's, it's, I've heard it before and, I've, I, and I believe it sounds very possible that um, you know they look you look at them like you know what this is the kind of man <laughs> I would like to have yeah. and um, then perhaps that's that's the reason again that's another um, thing which I um, which I heard again yeah. it's hard to find to see if it's true or not but yeah. yeah, I think it is interesting. I kind of wanted to talk then about, and I think we, we touched about it and touched on it a moment ago, but I wanted to talk about in the Bible because yeah. I mean, there's quite, we can think of thousands of examples of this in real life. Um, I mean, the Bible's real life, but you know what I mean. But in the <laughs> Bible, this happens too. And I think we see it with the character of King David. And I think King David's a character I've wrestled with I a lot. <laughs> Because I think that people have held him to such a high, high regard because of the good things he did. And you know how he was a man after God's own heart. But I think for me, I've had to see both sides of him. And at the end of the day, the fact that God loves him and that Jesus loves him. And, you know, not just as, you know, Jesus loves everyone, but the way that he's spoken about by Jesus, Mm. it makes me think, what is so special about this person? And I think it's made me realise that it's not the fact that, you know, his sins were ignored or that he was without sin because it's clear that he wasn't, but it was the fact that in spite of his sin, he was able to please God. And I think that that's what makes his character so influential and so important. But, um... So just for context, like I said, for anyone that is listening to this and not really aware of King David, who King David was, um, I don't want to be presumptuous that everyone knows, but King King David was a king in the Bible who, I mean, I think most people have heard the story of um, David and Goliath. He slayed Goliath and became king. He was then, um, but he didn't automatically become king because there was already a king who pursued him and wanted him almost dead, basically. Um, And basically... um, he became king uh he was supposed to be at war one one day he was supposed to be at war um the bible says a time when kings were at war david stayed home um and he saw a woman bathing on the roof next door let's just say and um he told his soldiers bring her to me um he slept with her um and then um he found out that she was with child and David then went on to bring her husband home from war, who was one of her, he was like lead generals, let's say, bring, bring him home from war. And he tried to make him sleep with her, his wife so that he would believe that the child was his. But um, the man refused to do it. Uriah was his name. He refused to do it because he knew his, um, his 
you know, his peers were out on the battlefield. He thought, you know, it's wrong for me to be sleeping with my wife here at home, enjoying life while I know they're on the battlefield. So then, you know, because he wouldn't do it, David sent Uriah back to the battlefield and he sent him with a letter. And he said to Uriah, do not open this letter, but deliver it to the, like, let's see, the lead general person that's there on the battlefield. I'm sorry, I'm not using the correct names, guys. But, um, and, and the letter contained a note basically saying, send Uriah to the front line and then withdraw from him and let him, let him be killed, basically. Um, so not to kill him, but to essentially let him be killed by the enemies. Um, and so Uriah, faithful to his king and faithful to his, you know, his army and his peers, he went, he brought the letter there, he didn't read it. And essentially that's exactly what happened. And, you know, he was killed and David and Bathsheba went, you know, went on to, you know, he, I think he ended up marrying her, but, um, they, you know, she was with child, but the child actually died. Um, and David fasted and prayed, begging God, you know, I think God pronounced judgment on them. So God had said, you know, the child's going to die. Um, but you know, David fasted and prayed said, God, don't kill this child. Don't kill this child. But, um, you know, he, he did, um, the child did die. And, you know, we see other things that went on with, um with David and his character and stuff like that but I think for me um it's really been hard because um it's really been hard to you know really reckon with this this man and understand this man and how you know God says he's Mm -hmm. a man after your you know the Bible says you know David's a man after my own heart that's what God says and not only that but Jesus is born from his lineage Mm -hmm. and makes reference to that in the last chapter of the bible in the final chapter jesus is like leaving words as he mentions david and the fact that he was born of his lineage and i think how does this man carry so much weight when he sinned so badly do you get what i mean um and it's been hard for me to really understand this but you know what are your thoughts because you know Benga, you love you love david but like, what are your thoughts on david's character and his sin and you know his his mercy and grace yeah. towards others yeah, David was a man. It's a man that I never really, you know, had interest. I, I like him because he killed Goliath. <laughs> but <laughs> never really had interest in him until b- b- morning prayer for the last um, two weeks, looking at Second uh, Samuel and looking at David. Mm-hmm. David is an was an outstanding man, and I can understand why you know God called him a man after his own heart. Because in context, you know what he did. If you compare it to what Saul did, for example, mm. you could actually say without you know to our own human from my human view, mm-hmm. what David did was 10 times worse than what Saul did. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to God, you know, David was a man after his own heart. Mm-hmm. And that's because we categorize, like we are saying, categorize sin. Mm-hmm. This sin is, uh, this sin is lower. But David has one thing that, you know, um, that I love. David was a man of the people. He listens to what everyone has to say. Mm-hmm. It's astonishing. I mean, I, I saw servants, mid servants, um, the soldiers, everybody, he listens to them, what they have to say. It's a man that forgives. Mm. Many times people offend him. Um, you never really see him retaliate or, you know, thinking of killing anyone apart from uh, Nebul, mm. <laughs> where he was so upset. But everybody else, he listens to them. He doesn't, he doesn't retaliate. And also, David doesn't forget. Mm-hmm. He's a man of great gratitude. Mm-hmm. He gives thanks, not just to God, but to people that helped him along the way. So I think those, those things... Um, they are possibly the reasons why, um, you know, it was a man after God's heart. He was also always grateful to God, always looking after God's people, mm-hmm. selfless, listens, prays, mm-hmm. you know, Psalms. It's, it was a, it was a very interesting character, and I think 
um, that is why I'm beginning to look at these uh, mistakes or faults or sins mm. um, from other people as well. Mm. Because if God can look at David and with all that is done, mm-hmm. and Christ can say, you know, son of David, you know, they call him the son of David. Mm. If that happens, then who am I to look down mm. on people that have made a mistake, you know, yeah. that committed similar sins? So David is a man, um, and a lot of times we look at David in two different ways. We look at him as either the great man that killed Goliath or the the wicked man that killed Uriah and um mm. and you know and slept with Bathsheba. But how about just reading the life of David throughout? It's a good manual for leaders, you know, how David lived his life, how he helped people, how he um he made a mistake, but I was able to reconcile himself with God. Yeah. I forgive others as well. You know, it, it's a man of great forgiveness. Again, and yes, it's it's a powerful story and I believe um uh, it's an it's a great example of a leader of because a lot of times we look at people that have, that don't that, that don't have mistakes like the great leaders mm-hmm. i mean we look at for example ravi when he passed away he was considered as one of the great leaders um you know and billy graham and so many of them well how about the people that made a mistake mm-hmm. being leaders but still um we, we, we are always going to consider, consider them as you know great leaders mm-hmm. in spite of that mistake yeah you know yeah and I think that's so true. And I think one of the things that's really interesting, I had to just pull it up, um, was the fact that when David, because I think a lot of people sin and their sin isn't necessarily explained to them, but God actually is gracious enough to David mm-hmm. to have, you know, someone explain David's sin to him. And, you know, he explains it through a parable, which I thought was just so mm-hmm. powerful. I was going to read it, but I'm, I'm actually not. Um, it's in chapter, it's in Second Samuel 12. Um, if you just read Nathan's rebuke of David, he speaks basically about a man you know, having the sheep and loving the sheep and then a king coming by and this king having loads of sheep, but the king looking at the man's sheep and saying, don't I want that man's sheep? Even though he only has that one, I want it. And he takes it and he sacrifices it and that's their dinner. And, you know, that man is heartbroken over that sheep. And, um, you know, when David hears that story, he goes, who is this man? Who is this king? We have to, we have to, he has to be punished for it. And, you know, he, you know, God reveals to him, that's you, that's you in the situation you you have all of these concubines all of these wives and still you took the one thing that uriah had and i think that when a lot of people when you're faced with your sin it's easy to just not want to hear it do you get what i mean to be like no this isn't wrong what i did was wrong and it's just like anything but when god you made you know david aware of his sin the first thing he says lord i've sinned against you Mm. and he wasn't just he wasn't just um like sorry he was repentant yeah and i think that's one of the things that we always forget because sin soul sinned you know we sin everyone sins but the difference is is that there's a difference between just being sorry about your sin like oh i made a mistake there and being actually repentant do you get what i mean and i think that's one of the things that david got and his repentance wasn't such so that like he just know i did something wrong um and you know that's that's that but he 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 his there was a change in behavior and i think that's one of the things that we always talk about in church is that when you're repenting it won't just be that you're sorry and you know okay i made a mistake it's that you actually change your behavior and i think that that's one of the greatest things that uh, you see in david's character and like um benga says is david was a man that he he wanted to see the best in people and i think time after time i mean you know soul Saul tried to pursue and kill David and David had like I think it's two or three opportunities where he could have killed Saul and he refused to he said he's still the Lord's anointed one because he held God to that such a high standard and even though he failed God multiple times because he held God to such a high standard um he wouldn't he wouldn't 
openly just sin against God and kill someone like that. And I mean, he did make that mistake later down the line, obviously, but he was so repentant and he kept repenting. But the one thing about David is, um, and I wanted to touch on as much as I do love David's character. And I think that it's amazing is that his failure to, to judge sin also had an effect because David then went on to have children. He had a daughter called Tamar and she had a brother called Absalom and then she, he also had a daughter by another wife called and his name was he had another son sorry by another wife and his name was Amnon and Amnon this is this is bible times guys so <laughs> it sounds a bit creepy but he you know felt himself that he was in love with Tamar and um he he was like I'm, I'm I have to be with her and so Tamar you know Amnon somehow got Tamar into his room persuaded her to come into the room and you know he says I want to be with you I love you and she, she's like no no and then he actually you know rapes her and um Tamar's obviously distraught walks out you know and is just distraught and she um then goes on to tell her brother and her brother goes okay don't don't do anything I'm gonna tell King David his dad and David doesn't doesn't judge the sin doesn't do anything about it um and so absalom waits two years and then actually kills his own stepbrother amnon for it and um that turns out to into a whole different situation but now because david this whole sin thing is generational david both raped bathsheba and then murdered and then now he's got a son that raped his sister and another son that turns into a murderer and so sin is generational so when you fail to judge in your own life and in the lives of others it can manifest you know and i think that that's something we do also see with leadership too um because um this this does happen like when people fail to you know if i always think if if you're a pastor and you're in any way sinning you're most more likely going to have a blind eye to sin within your yeah. church you know like for example if i'm a pastor and i'm committing adultery or something on my wife when a guy in church comes to me and goes, you know what, Pastor, I'm struggling with lust, I'm struggling with this, you're, you're going to be like, you know what, it's bad, but you know, there's grace for that. Do you know what I mean? You might excuse that sin. Now, you excuse that sin, that, that sin might go on and just turn into like a bigger, a whole bigger thing, for example. But because you've excused it in your life, now your church is, there's sin running rampant in your church because you can't fit, you can't judge sin well in other people's lives if you're not judging it well in your own. And I think that that's, that's definitely something we see time and time again in the Bible and in different characters. I mean, you know, and even with, for example, um, Abraham um, and deceiving um, people into believing that Sarah, his wife, was his sister, his child then becomes a deceiver and his child, it becomes a <laughs> generational thing. Like, you know, everyone's deceiving, deceiving people um because that sin wasn't judged in his own life do you know I mean he didn't judge his own sin in his own life and that became a generational thing so um i definitely think that if it's not dealt with it can flow down into your just like anything poor management will lead to poor management of time within mm. your team at work like there's loads of things if someone's not a good leader in any space it filters down into the team and i think that that's the same with sin too mm. and also with regards to you know the pastor um Yes, it could actually also affect the way they preach because mm. your sermon will change. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, so you can't preach the same way you were preaching before because you can't be talking about, you know, judgment and anything that has to do with that because you're preaching to yourself and mm. it's difficult. So again, that's another impact as well where you, 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 where you preach. And, and I also believe, I, you know, again, I can't verify if it's true or not, but regards to the Carlin's thing, there's actually quite, it's, 
a lot of um issues like this going on that went on in that particular church um mm-hmm. for 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 about three 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 years mm. and apparently it was reported to the um to the to the head and this was confirmed it was reported to the head in australia but it did apparently they did an investigation but nothing came out of it so so again it's been ongoing and i think that's the issue it wasn't dealt with mm. and it's difficult you know it's difficult to deal with something if you are if you are the one mm. doing the same and i think that's when it everybody should be accountable mm-hmm. so every pastor should be accountable to a pastor mm-hmm. and i think that that's when um the pastor whoever it is struggling with anything should be able to humble um mm-hmm. themselves and then you know speak to um whoever they're accountable to and then they can deal with it so mm-hmm. if you feel that i'm beginning to develop this kind of ungodly you know feelings for a particular someone in the church mm-hmm. for example then you should speak to someone you're accountable to mm-hmm. and that's it dealt with but unfortunately, a lot of times, a lot of um, pastors in Australian big mega churches perhaps are not accountable. Yeah. So that, that's the difficulty. Yeah, I think that is very true. And I was going to actually speak on that. But I think it's true that sometimes a lack of accountability because often pastors are the, the top yeah. of, there's no one to hold them accountable. And so that often can be the reason for it. Um. To, to, to kind of go towards more of a positive note there we do see a lot of positive and successful leaders as well mm. in the bible but then also um in life as well i mean we think of people like um billy graham mm. um who i'm you know i'm sure probably made mistakes in his ministry i know someone might have a rebuttal to this like <laughs> billy graham did this but his legacy is is crazy mm. um one of the most influential people in in church history and then we think about people like um william is it william j seymour is that his name yeah yeah and the, so anyway. oh, let me double check it <laughs> but um and the azusa street revival you yeah. know and these are people that really really you know made a difference in church history and there are a lot of successful leaders um in in history what who, who have you got any yeah william yeah. j seymour is the name of the person yeah so he was an african-american um preacher um, who started the Azusa Street Revival, which we is, you know, well known for like having a massive Im- impact on like, um, like the Pentecostal church and stuff like that. And like, kind of like black American faith. Um, so we, we know that he was extremely influential. Um, but yeah, do you have any examples of like successful church leaders? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I will go for my favorite, <laughs> <laughs> David, David Pawson is, mm. You know, you 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 can call him a church leader per se, but it's more like a teacher, maybe a little bit mm. like um um you know, Ravi. It, it was absolutely outstanding. Um, I listened to um I is able to dissect the Bible, mm-hmm. um, teaches everything from the historical facts, and also the meaning. And you know, it's a man of again, I've not heard anything you know on towards about him up to today. So he died last year, just a week after mm. Ravi died. Mm. You know, um, yeah. So that's a classic example of someone. You know that you know it's seen it's for the mm. good fight it's finished the faith so it's, it's mm. um finished the race and <laughs> and, and um finished the race and kept the faith mm. same as um leader of our fellowship um mm. pastor women michelle as well again outstanding it, it passed away again last year i believe mm. so yeah so there's been people that have done great things mm. and you know and that's not to say that any of these people again can't something can't come out because yeah. we don't know like obviously god forbid yeah. but we don't know tomorrow <laughs> another article might come out yeah. like this person did this we don't know we're just using examples yeah. of people who we know walked you know. And, and that's my point that's my point exactly people should not be judged mm-hmm. by 
their five minutes of failure or their mm. one year of failure, mm. but people should be judged based on the context of their lives because mm. you, you don't know. I mean, when Ravi passed away last year, it was, you know, great sorrow. Mm. Everyone was sharing mm. this stuff on different and um, also pages. we have to you know not to excuse it or I, I don't know exactly the condition of his heart like we always say we can't account for anyone's salvation but you know I'm, I'm if i'm correct i might have read this wrong so forgive me if i have but i, I believe ravi's you know cases were from 10 years ago if i've if i've read that right it wasn't um a recent mm-hmm. thing so um we d- i don't know what happened but i would like to think that in those years he repented mm-hmm. um and you know did get right with god and I, I would like to believe you know he he is a man of faith and that you know hopefully did make heaven we can't like i said we can't say that for sure but um I, that is something that i do hope and if that is the case that doesn't take away from anything he did yeah. do the thousands of lives mm. li- um, literally thousands of people that will have been saved yeah um through his ministry mm. families that have been you know mended through his ministries yeah that have been made through his ministries you we can't discount that yeah um even again, I'm not quite sure the ends of our church, but again, our pastor, mm. families, you know, my wife and I met in the church, got married with our kids, mm. people, you know, being saved in the church. Mm. You know, those things can't be overlooked. People's mm. life, you know, and I find it very interesting. Um, David's life is not, um, it's not inched on the mistake he made. Lineage, Christ yeah. came through his lineage um, because he was taken like holistic this is who david was, was yeah. a man after goes on that with mistakes but it was a man after goes on that yeah. and i personally believe this is how we should treat um people because yeah. they make mistakes we make mistakes um bill clinton is still considered i, I believe anyway as one of the best mm-hmm. u.s presidents because even though there was the issue of monica monica Lewinsky, <laughs> it was still a man that people admired even mm-hmm. with his errors so i think we should judge um the leaders as well in the, in the christian world you know, holistic, what did they achieve? Yeah. You know, and I think that's what God really yeah. um, care about, cares about. And I think that that just gives us great faith to know that people do walk it well and to know that we're not being judged just on one moment. Or And if you are someone who has messed up in their walk, whether you're a leader or just someone listening that, you know, struggles, or even if you're away from God and you want to get back to a relationship with God, it, it's, it's good because one thing we know about God is that he judges the heart. Mm. he's not by anything else so that means that no matter what mistakes you've made as much as that seems like a great thing um it's also it also means like no matter what mistakes you've made there's grace for that and knowing that that's who god is and that's who he embodies i think we ought to also try to embody that too and i i I have utmost you know um what's the word you know sorrow for those women who experienced you know any kind of sexual assault and and men and young children that have experienced you know assault within the church and i understand that there's particular cases which you know you need to really deal with that on a personal level and I, this is not to um play that down undermine. but yeah, yeah or undermine that and know that that's something and i'm not trying to you know that I, that I am bearing that in mind but i do think that as a church you know we ought to look at our brothers and sisters in christ and and use the same heart to judge them as, as we imagine Christ would, you know? And I think that that's harder said, that's easier said than done. <laughs> harder said than done. Easier said than done, but that's what we ought to do. Um, personally, just to end, um, I just feel personal about this. I think we, as a whole, don't just, both of us, but I mean, this, our current generation, we need to be um, maybe a little bit more forgiving. <laughs> I mm, know we've spoken about this already. Definitely. Because, before we, you know, before we say anything or before we 
begin to judge people mm. and stuff like that. We just need to take, sit back and relax and think how we really do our life. University, mm. for example, what what did we do in university? Yeah. You know, and it's quite easy to forget. You know mm. what we've done that is wrong and and um judge others for what they're mm. doing. And I think it's very important before we judge. Like what Christ said, is without sin, sin cast a first stone. That's for them to take it to, and just think. You mm. know. And once we do that, we begin to realize, you know what? God has shown me mercy. Mm. Then we can also give mercy out. But also, the people that are, you know, heartbroken, um, maybe they've experienced um, things like this, you know, um, directly, you know, or perhaps it's due to the, what happened to their leaders and um, they've, you know, they, they've, um, they've seen the outcome, they've experienced the outcome. Um, don't give up because God loves you. And mm. It's hard to explain, but just just one thing you need to we need to realize is we look at it from the angle that um, this whatever happened is is within God's plan. Mm-hmm. It's within God's plan. It's hard for us to take, but it's within God's plan. And for it to be within God's plan, the solution is also within God's plan. Mm-hmm. So what you have to do is you have to stay mm-hmm. within God's plan, mm-hmm. and God will heal once yeah definitely i definitely agree and i think that what you've just said there is really beautiful because i think we do live in a culture especially you know the younger generation where we're so quick to cancel people or to say (laughs) you know that person's made a mistake and that's it done like you know um and we're you know we don't have any grace or any mercy and we think you know and every time that person i mean i was watching i mean i think a lot of people will know whose person but um i don't know her name's molly may she's like a influencer or whatever she's a young girl she's british and um the other day she was apologizing for a word that she used and then she was saying but every time i make a mistake every other mistake she's made she's i mean she's got like five million followers on instagram so you can imagine everything she does is under a microscope and she's like when whenever she makes one mistake all of her past mistakes are brought back up as well (laughs) and she has to re-apologize for all the things she's done wrong in the past and it made me realize we do live in a culture where you know, just forgiveness is not the norm. You know, it's not like being gracious and being merciful as Christ is for us. It's just like not the norm. And um, I think that those two words, even grace, grace meaning, you know, that we see favor that we don't deserve, like unmerited favor. Um, and then, you know, mercy being, you know, not getting what you deserve, which is punishment. Mm. And we don't, we don't actually understand the weight of those two words. And um, great God is both gracious and merciful. And I think that we live in a culture where it's just as soon as someone does something wrong, it's done. And anytime they make a mistake in the past, we bring it up. And I think I see this a lot in culture and I see it in our generation. It does upset me and sadden me because especially with the internet becoming so permanent now, you can make a I've made mistakes on the <laughs> internet. You know, you make one mistake and it's now there forever. And people don't feel like they can be people anymore Mm -hmm. and we soon become robots and the things that make people so beautiful which is the spontaneous things they do and say and they feel like they have to measure and think about every single action and it's quite sad because um i think we ought to live in a world where we are more gracious and we are more merciful but i think it's a great way to sum it up um benga it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast i've loved your insight it's been really really influential i've learned so much Mm -hmm. from you today thank you so much for coming on it's been good thanks anything you want to shout out any businesses any like social media anything you want to shout? oh yes this one <laughs> so yes yeah, so my wife does um cakes she bakes mm. some nice lovely you know succulent <laughs> cakes yeah. um 
yeah, so our, the the handle of the it's called handle, right? Yeah, of yeah. Instagram is um J O A Bakers N Deco. Yeah. yeah. J O A Bakers N Decor. So um that's on social media now at it on our Instagram page. So yeah, go ahead and follow us on Instagram at the Social Saint Podcast and you can follow me on Instagram at Rianne Waters. But thank you so much for being here, Vengar, and thank you guys for listening. Bye. Mm-hmm.